in Genesis chapter five. Let's 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 dig into this word. Welcome to everybody who's watching online. Genesis five, verse twenty one. Enoch lived sixty five years. And begot Methuselah. And after he begot Methuselah. Enoch walked with God. Boy, if you're not walking God, if you're not walking with God before you have children, you will definitely see how vital it is to walk with God after you have children. We need his help. Amen. Enoch walked with God 300 years. Now, the average person at this time when Enoch lived was living six, seven, eight, nine hundred years. He only lived three hundred and sixty five years. The first sixty five he lived without God. And then the last three hundred he lived with God. He would have lived for hundreds of years more. But it says because he walked with God, then he was no more for God had taken him. God took him. He was raptured. When people say, I don't believe in the rapture, they haven't even got to Genesis chapter five then. Because it already happened before, it'll happen again. It had, and Enoch wasn't the only one this happened to. This happened to Elijah, too. Elijah was walking with God, and out of nowhere, God took him up and caused his mantle to fall upon uh, Elisha. From Elijah to Elisha. Why? Because God was showing us a pattern. Jesus himself was walking on this earth. And after his resurrection, God took him up. He was raptured, not just once. But then after that, he came back to talk to the disciples. And he said, and now behold, and his last words to his disciples, these are the greatest words I've ever heard in my life. The last words of Jesus. We we know the last words that he said before he died. Anybody know it is finished. But the last words of Jesus before he ascended after the resurrection, before he ascended, the final words of Jesus were, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age, even to the end of the world. And then he was taken up and right before their eyes, the Bible says, Woo! So if it happened to Enoch, and it happened to Elijah. Then it happened to our savior twice. He's going to happen to us. It's going to happen to you. It's going to happen to me. We're going to be caught up. This wasn't that he died. He didn't die. Enoch did not die. Jesus died and rose from the dead. Enoch did not die and rise from the dead. He just never died. <laughs> Woo. Wow. The Bible tells us that Enoch walked with God for 300 years. Can you imagine that the most any of us could walk with God here on this earth nowadays is if we live to 80, 90, 100 years old. But this guy walked with God for 300 years. Imagine what he must have learned by then. Imagine what he must have experienced by then. So we can only assume and we draw the conclusion that during the first 65 years of Enoch's life. Before his son was born, Methuselah. 
he wasn't walking with God. But when he started walking with God. He gave birth to Methuselah, his wife gave birth to Methuselah. They as parents had Methuselah. Because when you walk with God, you're going to give birth to something that lasts. When you walk with God, the things that you do in this life last forever. Jesus said the Bible says in Second Corinthians, first Corinthians, that our works will be tested if our works on earth after salvation. We don't get saved by our works, but we do good works after salvation. After we are saved, we do good works. Can can anybody say amen? Amen. Amen. The Bible says, for by grace have you been saved through faith and that not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, not a result of works, lest anyone should boast. Then he says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus, who created us for good works. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. We're created in Christ Jesus. When you're born again, the only reason to be on this earth is to do good works and and to lead men and women to salvation. After you're born again, we could die and go to heaven, but God calls us to a life on earth. To be a blessing, blessed to be a blessing. Amen. Somebody say blessed to be a blessing. Our works will be tried by fire. It doesn't mean that you will experience fire. It says if your works after salvation are are just temporary wood, hay and stubble, they'll be burned up. But if your works are gold, silver and precious stones, if your works are works that glorify God, that lead others to him, that introduce people to the real Jesus, your works will pass the fire and the gold, silver and precious stones of what you've used your life for. If you've used your life for the glory of God, when you get to heaven, you will see that your works endured and made it through. And many people came into the kingdom because of you and many people's lives were introduced to a closer walk with God because of you. Those are the works that I'm looking forward to looking back on when I get there and have Jesus show me. See, when you thought you were nothing was happening there, you're praying in tongues, you thought nothing was happening. See there, you're laying hands on that person and nothing seemed to happen to them. But I was working on them. Let me show you what happened in their life five years later after you laid hands on. Let me show you what happened in their life five years later after you gave in the offering. Let me show you what happened in somebody else's life that you thought, oh, man, this giving stuff isn't working because I'm not getting more back. Why am I not getting more back? Boy, when you get to heaven, you'll see how you're giving saved souls. You got a whole lot more back than what Earth could give you. And God's going to give it back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaking together and running over. And I'd rather have all my harvests in heaven than on Earth. I do want a few here on Earth. I do want a few harvests here on Earth, but I do not need them nor do I uh, want them more than the harvests I'll have in heaven of lives changed and souls saved and people transformed and people discovering the real Jesus through me and through you and through us together. Amen. Amen. This guy, Enoch. Wow. He teaches us how to walk with God. There's only three or four verses about this guy in the whole Bible. 
two or three or four in the book of Genesis and two in the book of Hebrews. When you walk with God. He's going to share with you secrets. That only he could have known. Our part is to lean in. Man, can you just see yourself leaning? In In fact, let's just all practice leaning in. Can you just kind of turn your body a little and and just lean in with your just lean in, just lean in. Some of you, it's the first crunch you've ever done for your core. Look at Song of Solomon, chapter eight, verse five. Who is this coming up from the wilderness? Well, we've been in some wildernesses. Twenty twenty was a wilderness. Twenty twenty one was a wilderness. Twenty twenty two was a wilderness. Two thousand and seven was a wilderness. Two thousand eight was a wilderness. I've had more wildernesses than I want than I care to remember. Anybody know what I'm talking about? where there doesn't seem to be fruitfulness, there doesn't seem to be harvest, there doesn't seem to be any any uh, grapes on the vine. It's the wilderness, man. Dry and not fruitful and just scratching and just 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 to survive. But who's the one that comes out of those seasons? The one leaning on her beloved or leaning in to her beloved. Say leaning on and leaning in. Mm, Lean on me. (laughs) Don't make me go there now. I'll wake you up with making a joyful noise. It won't be good, but it'll be joyful. (laughs) Now, there was leaning on Jesus bosom. John 13, 20, Lord. Pastor, not Lord, pastor, but Lord and pastor. Why are you always telling us John 13, 23, John 13, 23. Now there was leaning on Jesus bosom, one of his disciples whom Jesus loved, because right there in that one sentence is everything that you ever need to make as your goal in life. Leaning on Jesus bosom, knowing that you're loved by him. Now, there was one leaning on Jesus bosom, one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. He was just one of them that Jesus loved. He loved all of them. John was just one of them. But John knew he was loved. You're as loved by Jesus as John was. You just might not realize it. That's why you're here to realize it and to introduce other people to it. Amen. He leans in on Jesus bosom, not to learn something, but to feel something. But in his feeling something while he's leaning on Jesus bosom, in his feeling something, he learns something. He learns that the closer you listen to the heart. And the heartbeat of Jesus, the more of his secrets he will share. So the disciples all said, well, Jesus said, one of you is going to betray me. They all said, is it I, Lord? Is it I, Lord? Is it I, Lord? John didn't say, is it I, Lord? John said, who is it, Lord? 
John actually because Peter didn't feel close enough because, you know, Peter's already in, in hot water, you know, all the things he's done wrong by this point. <laughs> he's like, oh, I'm, I'm a little scared to ask. But, John, you're closer to him right now. Just just ask him who's going to betray him, because I feel like it's probably going to be me. But I don't dare ask him. So I hope it's somebody else. I hope it's you, John. But go ahead and ask him. <laughs> who's going to betray you, Lord? You know, he's leaning in his leaning on his bosom. Who's going to betray you, Lord? The one who dips their bread, who I dip. I'm going to dip my bread. Watch this. I'm going to dip the bread like everybody knows when somebody's dipping their bread and everybody especially knows when somebody's double dipping. <laughs> you know, double dipping your bread is really offensive because you dip it, you eat it and then you put it and dip it again. Do not be double dippers. But it's so obvious when somebody dips their bread, guess what happens? Dipped bread is dripped bread. When you dip it, it's going to drip. And Jesus dips it in the bread, dips the bread in the oil, hands it to Judas after he said, Jesus said, the one who I I'm going to dip the bread in the oil and then I'm going to hand it to the person who's going to betray me. He actually does dip it. He does give it to Judas and the disciples go, I wonder who he's talking about. <laughs> this is miraculous that God trusts us when we hardly even listen to the most obvious things that he still invites us. He still loves us. We're still at the table. We are stupid, but we're at the table. We're smart enough to have got an invitation to the table and we're smart enough to show up. We might not be very smart in knowing who's dipping their bread in what oil and who's hand, who's it being handed to when it was all in front of them. There's only 12 of them and they all saw what was going on, because according to Leonardo da Vinci, they were all on one table looking this way. Right. When you walk with God, he's going to share with you secrets. John knew it was going to be Judas because he asked the question. He knew that Jesus answer was accurate. And when you walk with God, he's going to prepare you for what's coming. This is a really important one to me. All of them are. But this is really important that you get this when you're walking with God. He's going to prepare you for what's coming. You know, Enoch. Enoch's life was a prophetic life. God gave Enoch a word of prophecy by inspiring him to name his son Methuselah. The, the name Methuselah, it means to die and then to send, to die and then to send, to die and then to send. So basically, 
essentially what happened when Methuselah died? Now, Methuselah lived nine hundred and sixty nine years. But what happened when Methuselah died? When Methuselah died, the flood came. God sent the flood. God had spoken to Enoch, name your son, because Enoch was walking with God, God revealed to him things about what was to come. And he revealed to him that after Methuselah's death, there would be a destruction and God would send the flood after his death, death and then send as soon as as soon as Methuselah dies, I will send judgment. And listen, what does this speak of when his name symbolizes after because names meant something in the Bible, whatever your parents named you, it might have meant something. It might not have meant something. They might have read your name somewhere and they might have seen your name in the credits of a movie after a movie and said, I like that name. We don't know why they named you what they named you. But back then they had real significant meanings about what God would do in that person's life. And God showed showed Enoch because Enoch's walking with God. God showed him that after your son dies, there will be a judgment that I send to the world. And we see that after he died, the flood came. And what do you think is the reason why Methuselah is the, the oldest human being that ever lived on this earth? Nine hundred and sixty nine years. God said when he dies, I'm going to send it. In other words, I am going to be so patient. I'm going to give everybody hundreds and hundreds of years, almost a thousand years. I will give. Wow. I will give this world almost a thousand years to get right before I send destruction on those that do not get on this boat and do not serve and do not follow him and do listen. What a what a patient God. Wow. How patient is he? Second Peter, chapter three, verse nine says God isn't late with his promise as some measure lateness. He's restraining himself on account of you. Holding back the end because he doesn't want anyone lost. He's given everyone space and time to change. Wow. The first attribute of love is patience, for love is patient and kind. Wow. Nobody lived that long. Like Methuselah because nobody is as patient as God. If we would only realize sometimes I think he's coming back in my lifetime. Sometimes I think he's not. But sometimes I want him to. And then sometimes I don't. And really, when I think about it, the only legitimate reason why I don't want him to come back yet is because there's too many people I know that aren't saved yet. There's too many 
people in our families that aren't saved yet. There's too many people. That we're connected to that aren't saved yet. And God's being patient with them. And some of us got saved later than early. I'm glad for my children to be to have been saved at young ages. I'm glad for them to discover Jesus at a young age. But I'm also glad for the time that I discovered him and it took longer, but also for the time that many here, it took you 20 years, 30 years. How old were you, Jim, when you got saved? Forty one. Of course, now he's been living longer saved than unsaved almost. Right. Longer in a relationship with God. God's going to take him, but not through sickness or death, sickness or disease or anything like that. But he's ready. Not all his family members are. That's why. God keeping him here. We need more from the older generation to speak to the younger generation. So God's keeping him here. Some of you others, I don't want to point out how old the rest of you guys are, but (laughs) we need you. We we that are a little older, we need the young people, the the revival that comes, the the passion that comes, the 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 zeal, the the fire, the willingness to take risks. We need that. We need to learn that. And then they need to learn wisdom from us and patience. And it's okay if you the first person you were with broke your heart, if the second, third person broke your heart, you're just getting started with broken hearts. Let me tell you. (laughs) I already taught you how to mend a broken heart. Just listen to the Bee Gees or Al Green. And and how can you mend this broken little heart? How can you stop the rain from falling down? I feel I, I hear some of you. So patient. How do we walk with God? One step at a time. Good answer. (laughs) Wrong answer, like family feud. (laughs) Good answer. And it was wrong. But it's true. There's truth in that. I'm going to give you three things. Walking with God, number one, is a life of faith. Number one, walking with God is a life of faith. Everybody say walking with God is a life of faith. Now, look. Hebrews chapter 11, verse five says, Enoch, by faith, watch this now, by faith, Enoch. Was taken away from this life so that he did not see death and he could not be found because the Lord had taken him. And before he was taken, this is so key before he was taken, he had this this testimony that he was pleasing to God. 
What should be the number one motivation in our lives is that we are pleasing to God. Because when we are pleasing to God, it is making us ready for him to take us away. We shouldn't be trying to get ready to be taken away. We should be learning how to please God. And he tells us how to please God in the very next verse. But without faith, it is impossible to please God. So walking with God is a life of faith. It's a life of faith. And what is faith? Faith is the thing that you are convinced of that shapes your words, your emotions and your actions. Faith is a belief that you are convinced of. There are many people that have faith in the wrong thing. They're convinced of something. Whenever you're convinced of something, it will begin to manifest in your life. When you're convinced that God keeps his promises, God's promises will begin to manifest in your life. Faith is not blindly hoping. Faith is certainty of what God said is true or certainty of what somebody else told you that's true. You just are convinced and you are certain that what has been said is true. Now, I can promise you that not everything that anybody else says, we don't know what is true about everything people say, but we can know for sure everything that God says is true. And I am convinced that we will see our better days. I am convinced that God will show up in our lives. I'm convinced something good's going to happen. I'm convinced that I'm going to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. I'm convinced that something miraculous is going to happen in my life today. I'm convinced that my life and your life is going to be filled with pleasant surprises that God does just to surprise you just so you can say, wow, look at what God did. I didn't know it was coming that way or at that season or from that amount. But wow, look at how God kept his promise. I am certain that if he kept his promise to Abraham, I am certain he will keep it to me. If he kept his promise to David, I am certain he's going to keep it to me. If he kept his promise to Isaac, I am absolutely sure he's going to keep his promise to me. Walking with God. Walking with God is a life of faith. We believe, though we do not see. Being convinced of something does not require seeing it. You know, downtown Chicago and all over Europe and all over other places where they have trains. You know how you know when your train's coming, it's written. Mm, somebody need to say amen right there. You know where I'm going now, right? Let me fast forward. It is written. How do you know that Northwest suburban train is coming at 1136 p.m. or a.m. or whenever it says it's coming. And you know what's amazing about the train systems is almost all the time what they say 
is going to happen, happens. And because of that track record, you are convinced to go to the platform knowing that that train is coming at eleven thirty six. You are convinced to go to that platform. You don't see it coming. You can't hear it coming. You don't know for sure that it's going to come. But you know it's come so often at the same exact time. It's amazing how on time they can be. Not all the time, but most of the time it's on time. And you know what that tells us? If man can be most of the time on time, keeping his promises, if Amtrak can keep their promises, if the trains in Europe, trains in New York, trains in wherever they are, they keep their promise. How much more will our God keep his promise? These trains and conductors and systems where they have on the screen 20 or 30 trains that are coming, all the different platforms and the exact moment that each of them are coming. And it's almost 100 percent accurate. So you have this. They have this track record. Train track record. (laughs) And you are convinced. So you pack your stuff up. If you're late, you start running to catch that thing. Why are you running? You're convinced it's coming on time and leaving on time. It's not waiting around for you. It's coming at such and such a time. And you didn't plan. Well, let us be people that do not have to run like Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible just to catch the train. Let us not have to run like Usain Bolt to try to catch the train. Let us not be so procrastinating that we only start running when we hear the sound choo choo. (laughs) How do you walk with God? Walking with God is a life of faith. Paul said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I've kept the faith. Just keep the faith, folks. Just keep believing and worry about seeing it. Stop worrying about seeing it and just be convinced of it. It's coming. I would have despaired lest I believed I would see we will see it, but we don't get convinced by seeing it. We get convinced by believing it. And we get convinced by the track record of the one who promised it. Walking by walking with God is a life of faith. Walking with God is a life of fellowship. A life of fellowship. You know, Paul says something amazing in Second Timothy, Chapter one, verse 12, the second part of that verse, he says, I know whom I have believed. I know whom I have believed. Notice what he doesn't say. I know about him in whom I believe. I know in him. So it's not just I believe in him. It's not just I believe about him. I don't just know him because somebody else said. I know him. I know whom I know whom he's saying, I know him. 
I'm believe I believe and I'm persuaded that he's able to do what I committed to him in that day until that day. He said, I'm I believe and I'm persuaded. Why? Because he knows him. When you know someone, you are convinced you are you believe and you are persuaded by their track record. When you know someone's always late, you are convinced they're showing up late this time, too. When you know they keep their promise, you are convinced you are persuaded they're going to keep their promise this time, too. The more consistent they are, the more you can rely on them. And we need to know that every time throughout our lives and throughout our families and throughout history, God has been faithful. God has been faithful. God has never broken one of his promises. So we get to fellowship with him who we know. We're not fellowshipping with an idea about God. We're fellowshipping with God. Knowing God, walking with God is a life of fellowship. First, it's a life of faith. Second, it's a life of fellowship. Micah, chapter six, verse eight, he says. In the last part of that verse, showing you a man what is good, what does the Lord require of you? I love especially this last part of the verse to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Walk humbly, how with your God, not walk humbly under your God, not walk humbly toward your God, not walk humbly for your God, walk humbly with your God. Don't walk humbly with my God. He can't just be my God to you. I'm trusting pastor's God. You got to make him yours. Mm. Remember, it's not life under God, not life over God, not life just from God, not life just for God, but life with God. And walking with God is a life of fruitfulness. Number one, walking with God is a life of faith. Number two, walking with God is a life of fellowship. Number three, life walk, walking with God is a life of fruitfulness. Jesus said in John, chapter 15, verse. Verse um, seven and eight. Abide in me, let my words abide in you. You will ask whatever you desire and it shall be done for you. That right there. Should transform your life. By this is my father glorified. That you bear much fruit. And show yourself as my disciples. The only way to have fruit is to plant seeds. The only way to be fruitful is to plant seeds. And nurture those seeds. Boy, you know what nurtures those seeds is generosity, surrounding yourself in the right environment not giving up on your harvests. Fruitfulness. Walking with God. You're going to bear fruit and your fruit will remain because it's for his glory and for your good.